0: If you just joined us, welcome to the Rock Church. My name is Miles McPherson, Pastor of the Rock. Welcome, especially if you were here for for your first time. Last week on Easter, uh, we had a lot of new people on Easter. So if you're if you're joining us, welcome to, to the Rock Church uh, again. Uh, very excited about the series. And if you're new, uh, one of the things we do is we go through different topical series, and we're starting a new series today. There's still hope and I hope it's encouraging to you, especially now during the COVID crisis. So uh, one of the first things we do on Sundays is we get on our knees and pray. So wherever you are, uh, just get on your knees right here. Knee one, knee two, put it on the floor. And this is a great habit to have is to get on your knees. And when you bow your knee to God, you're basically saying, I'm not in charge, you are. And I honor you and worship you. I sit humbly before you. I kneel humbly before you. And so we're going to do that. So get on your knees and I'm going to pray for us. And here's my prayer. Is that the spirit of God would bless you and encourage you uh, powerfully. And that you would sense his presence right where you're at. So let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you for your presence. Lord, I know every person listening is impacted by COVID-19 as a death toll goes up at the same time uh, people are protesting against the lock lock-in and some cities are opening and there's so much confusion so I pray that today even right now that the peace of God would rest on our hearts and that you would assure everyone that you were there with them and that you're going to get them through this crisis. And I pray that you guide and direct us on our individual responsibility and individual response to the crisis. That we would simply trust you and allow you to guide us and direct us through it. Make your presence tangibly known to everybody who's listening. Encourage them and may your peace that surpasses all understanding. Fill their heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a hand. You might say, why is he always clapping? Because I'm excited, I'm excited. God is good. God is good. So Listen, if you're, if you're new, what we do every Sunday is we get our Bible and your Bible could be on your phone, uh, whatever, whatever you have scripture in. And we hold it up and say, word, this is the word of God. And we always want to declare that this is what we're trusting in. This is the foundation upon which we stand. So if you have a Bible, uh, get, your, get your Bible out. On the count of three, I'm going to say, word, and then we're going to lift it up. One, two, three, word, and then we lift it up and declare it. Very good, very good. Turn to Exodus chapter 3, and this is the second, second book of the Bible, Exodus chapter 3. 3 the second book of the bible exodus chapter 3 exodus chapter 3 you know undoubtedly in everyone's life we encounter various storms and trials just like you see the ship hitting up against waves obstacles unexpected problems that sometimes erase everything we've worked through they bring doubt into our life about our future and this is especially what's happening now in our culture with The COVID crisis, people are losing their money, they're getting sick, they're dying, they're worried about getting sick. And when that happens, we can lose hope. I wanna start a series today called There's Still Hope. And I'm gonna talk about the life, specifically the calling of Moses. When Moses was called by God to deliver the Israelites, he had a conversation with God, and God called him to go back to Egypt to deliver the Israelites. And Moses went through four steps before he can actually make a difference in the world. First he had to know God, then he had to find freedom. Then he had to discover his purpose and then he made a difference. This series is going to be four weeks. Today, week one, we're going to talk about what it means to know God. Next week we're going to talk about what it means to find freedom from all the negative ideas we have in our head that sabotage us pursuing our goals. And then we're going to discover our purpose, what gifts we have. And then after you do that, you can understand and be able to see clearly enough. To make a difference the devil wants you to aim small god wants you to aim big trust me the devil will always have you aiming for something smaller than what god has for you it doesn't have to be compared to somebody else just you and so we're going to go over those four things over the next four weeks today we're going to talk about knowing god now in this story very very easy simple story the israelites were in bondage in Egypt, About two million Jews, two half million Jews were in slavery. They were slaves in Egypt. Pharaoh was the, was the king, the leader, and he had them in bondage. And they had been there hundreds of years. And Moses was born in that environment. Moses then was, was uh, he, he was born. His mother hid him because they were killing all the young boys. Moses was adopted by Pharaoh. He was raised in an Egyptian home. So here's a Hebrew. Being raised in an Egyptian home, sees his people... The Hebrews being enslaved, he ends up killing an Egyptian (laughs) because the Egyptian, they were beating the Jews. He ends up being a fugitive at the age of 40. And for 40 years, he's a fugitive. So at the age of 80 years old, God says, it's time for you to go back and deliver my people. He's 80. Now, if you think that you're 30 and you're old, you haven't even gotten started. Moses' ministry started when he was 80. 80. So if you're 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, God's still working on you getting you ready. So he's 80 years old and he's going to have this conversation with God and he's going to see this burning bush. He's going to walk over to the burning bush and God's going to tell him, hey, take off your shoes for where you stand is holy ground. And he's going to tell Moses, you need to go back to Egypt from where you came. And by the way, he grew up in Pharaoh's house, so he knows all about the government. He knows all about the military. He knows all about the economics. He knows all about the educational system. He knows all about the oppression of his people. He gets it. And God says, I want you to go back there and you're going to tell Pharaoh, by the way, the Pharaoh that you know the power Pharaoh has, you're going to go back and tell Pharaoh to let your people go. And he's like, you must be tripping. How am I going to do that? Now, now, let me tell you something. If you think that your drama is big, imagine that. He has to go back by himself and confront the most powerful man on the planet, the most powerful nation in the world by himself. And he's going to have to tell them and challenge them to let go all their slaves. Their economic engine is all the Jews in slavery. (laughs) He's going to say, I want you to let them go. That's his his problem. And so he's going to go through this process that we're talking about. Now, why is this important? As you're going through life, in addition to the COVID, and as you're dealing with not having a job or being let go or just the uncertainty of life, You want to live past uh, uh, surviving. You don't want to just survive. How am I going to make it today? No, you want to stand on the rock of Jesus Christ and you want to thrive. So when God told Moses to go back there, he wasn't Moses, you know, you're going to, it's going to be hard, but you're not just going to survive. You are going to thrive. You are going to succeed. So these four principles we're going to talk about are going to help you thrive. Because if you have a very clear focus about where you're going and how you're going to do it, storms can beat on you all day long. But you will thrive and you will beat them back. If you think success is sitting somewhere where there's no problems, that does not exist on earth anywhere. That's only in heaven. It's only in heaven. Matter of fact, when Adam and Eve were created in Genesis chapter 1, which is a true story, they still had to work the garden. Now, they, they didn't have drama. but They got tempted, but there was no drama, but they still had to work. So there's absolutely no place, even on vacation, where there are no rules, where you can just do whatever. Even on vacation, you got to have a rule. Even if the rule is to not work, that's a rule. So there's no place you're just going to be like, whatever. But especially in our fallen, corrupt, sinful world, you are always going to have obstacles. The question is, are you going to let those obstacles beat you down, or are you going to beat them down? So we're going to give you this four-step process on how to beat it down. So Moses is walking. He sees this burning bush. He goes over to the burning bush. The, the bush is on fire, but it's not consumed. And he, conf- he encounters God. And here's what happens in Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. It says, The Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, and I know their sorrows. Check us out. I have seen... I have heard and I know, God sees, he knows, and he heard. He knows. He gets your pain. So here's what he does. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, to bring them up from that land to a good and large land. To a land flown with milk and honey. Milk and honey. Can't have milk unless you have a cow. Can't have a cow unless you have grass. Can't have honey unless you have a bee. You can't have honey unless you have a bee and a plant that has a flower, and that flower can, can grow a fruit and vegetable. So God says, I'm bringing you to a land where you can grow stuff and, and raise animals, with good vegetation, good soil, good irrigation, to a place of the Canaanite, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Parasite, the Hivite, the Jebusite, and the Aptite and Adesite. Now, therefore, behold, the cry, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you, Moses. Remember, he's 80 years old. He grew up in Egypt. He already knows the drama. He's he left. He's a fugitive. He killed somebody. He's, he's 80 years old and God says, I'm sending you. That's pressure. To Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses said to God, who am I? Now, wherever you're at in your house, say out loud on account count of three, who am I? One, two, three. Who am I? Who am I? I'm nobody. And guess what? When the devil tells you, this is so good. When the devil tells you you ain't nobody, you know what you should say to the devil? You're right. Don't try to prove anything. Just say you're right. I'm nobody. Just a little old me. That's good. That's good. Who am I? This is Moses. This is Moses. Who am I? This is Moses. Who am I? This is Moses. That I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. God. How am I going to do something so big? Uh, Listen, God is, if you listen to God and you trust God, God is undoubtedly going to give you a dream and a vision that's way bigger than you. That's how God rolls. But it's his vision. Moses had the same thing. Moses said, I can't do it. Exactamente. You can't. You can't. It ain't up to you. Watch this. He says, who am I that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. It's not about who you are. It's about whose you are. Today's we're going to talk about what does it mean to know God. It doesn't mean that you have understanding, information. It means you have relationships. God has ownership of you. So we're going to go over seven declarations. These are truths that you and I are going to declare over your life that are the realities of being in relationship with God. Now, this is very important. This is not something that can change. What I mean by that is that if you're in relationship with God, these things are true whether you Feel it or not. I was in a in a marriage um, conference. We had a, in a marriage conference last year. We have a marriage conference every summer. Um, one of the best weekends of my year. We had like 500 couples, and Shanti Feldhahn and her husband did a workshop, and it was so insightful that one of the things they said. Was that when a man and a, a husband and a wife get in an argument, one of the things the man wants to think is look, just want to get it over with, and move on. One of the things that the woman is thinking is, Is this going to jeopardize our future? In other words, she's thinking, I want to make sure we're good. And guys, they'll be they'll just shut it down and not say anything and then move on and then act like nothing happened, where the woman's like, reassure me that we are going to be okay. That our relationship isn't over. It's very insightful, I know there's a lot more to it than that but it was, it was very insightful the difference between how guys process things and how women process things. We can feel that way with God, like sometimes God's mad at me because I did something or I didn't get the job or, or, or a, you know, a car ran out of the gas, God must be mad at me. The things that we're going to declare today are they, they are because they are and they don't change. If you are in relationship with God, these are facts. And these are facts that I want to encourage you to declare over your life every day. Why? To remind yourself of what is true. These aren't things that that are true and then they're not true. Then you're going to make them true again. They are true. They are seven I am statements. Remember remember Moses says, who am I? Well, I'm going to tell you who you are. These are seven I am. Now you can create 50 of them based on what the Bible says. We don't have time for that. So I'm just going to give you seven. So if you are in relationship with God, if you have asked Christ to be your Savior and you've surrendered your life to him, these seven I am statements apply to you. And I want to encourage you to say them to yourself. And you'll see in a minute why they're so important and why you should say them to yourself. To remind yourself that these truths are intact. And why is this important? Because if these truths aren't sure to you, you are not going to make the difference, God has for you because this is your foundation. And if your foundation isn't secure, if you're walking and your, your earth is always moving under you, God loves me, he doesn't love me. God's forgive me, he doesn't forgive me. You're, you're going to be unsettled in your life. So you have to declare these things over your life every day. At least that, that's my encouragement to you. Now, if you do not have a relationship with God, some of these are still true, but some of them are not. And and so you have to think about when we go through them, some of them are I am not statements. And you'll see what I mean in a minute. Now, at the end of the service here in a few minutes, we're going to give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. So you can make sure all of these I am statements apply to you. Okay? So my challenge to you is as we read them, I want you to think about your life. And whether whether you've given your life to Christ or not, I want you to think, do I want these things to be the foundation of my life? And do I want to stand on them? And if so, I need to learn them, I need to declare them. And by the way, as you're watching on your phone or your your app, these notes are right there on your screen. You can hit the notes button on your screen. And these notes are there available for you that you can actually fill these in and keep them and, and remind yourself of these things. So number one, seven I am statements. Number one, I am created in the image of God designed for intimacy with my creator genesis chapter 1 verse 26 says god said let us make man in our image and let them according to our likeness let them have dominion over the fish of the sea the birds of the air over the cattle over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth now those creeping things aren't people even though i know y'all know some creeps but we're talking about bugs he says i am everyone say out loud say i am created in the image of god Now, If you're in your house, I want you to say, I I don't want you to, I am created in the image of God. You should be excited. You are created in the image of God. So we're going to say it on the count of three out loud. Say, I am created in the image of God. (laughs) You are created in the image of God. What does that mean? Listen, if I had a glove made in the image of a hand. Gloves are made in the image of the hand. The hand is not made in the image of the glove. So God made us in his image, that means he made us with the, in the, the ability to have relationship with him. To speak to him. For him to speak to us. To represent his love. To express his love and patience and kindness to people. He made us that people could experience him through us. Our hands, our voice, our intelligence, our creativity, our compassion. Our forgiveness, our gentleness, our empathy, he created us so he can express himself through us. That is a fact. 100% of you, that is true of. He made you in his image. Number two. I am completely loved by God. John 3:16, look what it says, John 3:16. "For God so loved the world that He gave us one and only Son, that whoever believed in Him, whoever well, you don't know what I did, don't matter. God loves you. Don't matter. I love going to prisons, and when I go to prison, I love saying that. God loves all of y'all, and all of y'all are prisoners. All of y'all done stuff. Theoretically, some of y'all might be innocent, but all y'all does, God loves you. I don't have to qualify it. Don't say, well, he loves some of y'all and depending on what you did. No, no, no. He loves all of y'all. Matter of fact, one day I was in a prison speaking and right before I spoke, God, his presence came over me. He said, before you start your sermon, I want you to tell them I love them. I said, God, it's in my notes. He said, no, I want you to tell them, I told you to tell them I love them. True story. Let's go to that verse again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. God wants to give you everlasting life and abundant life now. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world might be saved. You know, Jesus didn't come to condemn you. I I want to talk to all the Christians right now. If you're not a Christian, just listen, please, because you're going to really appreciate this. If If you're a Christian, God did not send Jesus to condemn the world, so neither should you. Stop condemning people. Start loving people. If Jesus didn't come to condemn, who do we think we should be that we could condemn people? Speak love to people, speak life over people. And so, for now, for the non Christians, guess what? God loves you. He wants so bad to have a relationship with you, and it ain't gonna change. Now, does that mean He approves of everything you do? Nope. Does that mean that you can do whatever you want and die and then you're gonna go to heaven? Nope. Remember, it said, if you believe in Him. So we're going to get to that in a few minutes. If you say, Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you and by faith I'm giving my life to you, boom. Now you have a relationship with him. Now you have everlasting life. And now you can walk with him every day and have abundant life here. Number three. Number three. I am completely forgiven by God. Now this only happens if you ask him. If you do not ask him to forgive you by surrendering your life to him. And that doesn't mean God forgive me and keep doing it. It means God, I am surrendering my life to you. Please take over my life. Then you'll be forgiven. But if you've never done that, this statement really means I am not completely forgiven. That you don't want that to be true of you. Look what it says in 1 John 1 9. 1 John. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. If you say, well, I ain't never sinned, you're a liar. I mean, well, not, only are you, you, you may, you're, not only do you make him a liar, which he's not, so you're wrong. Of course you sin. We're all, none of us are perfect. Jesus is the only one that has not sinned. But again, this is the truth. If you ask God to forgive you, you're a Christian, guess what? God's forgiven you. He's not mad at you. The Bible says he remembers your sins no more. He has chosen to forget. But he is drawing you close to him so you don't do it anymore. I used to do cocaine, I don't anymore. There's a lot of stuff I used to do, I don't do anymore. Am I perfect? No, but I'm a whole lot better than I was and I'm going to be a whole lot better next year. Hopefully if I keep praying and obeying God, not hopefully, if I pray and obey God, I will be better next year. And more and more like Christ every day. Because Christian literally means little Christ. Trying to be, I was on a 40-day fast. The first time I went on a 40-day fast, it was like a um, long time, 30-something years ago. And I've been on several since. But the first time I was doing it, this guy said to me, what are you trying to be like Jesus? Because he, he went on a 40-day fast. And he said, what are you trying to be like Jesus? I said, yes. <laughs> yeah. That's what Christian means. Be like Jesus. Okay, number four. Or number five, what's the next one? I am a servant of God. If you have given your life to Christ... You're nothing but a servant. Look what it says. Mark chapter 10, verse 45. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, did not come to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom. If Jesus didn't come to be served, why do you think we should serve you? If Jesus did not come to be served, who are you to be served? That's why as a church, our posture here in San Diego is when something happens, we say to the city, to the school district, to the police department, to the county, to the community. How can we serve? That's why we do all the stuff we do in the community. That's why last year we gave $4 million of volunteer service. That's why we're fixing N95 masks and collecting PPEs and taking food to the elderly and taking food to the community. Why? Because we're servants. That's it. That's it. And guess what? If you're a servant, that means you're not trying to hold on anything. God, I'm just here. My time on this earth is temporary anyway. I'm a citizen of heaven. So if you have given your life to Christ, you are a servant. Declare. Can you imagine every day if you woke up and said, I'm just a servant of God. I'm just a servant of God. You know, you would have less arguments. You would have less stress. You have less drama. Why? Because nothing's owed to you. Stop tripping. I'm just a servant. Take what God gives you and God will give you way more than the world can give you. Next one, number five, I am fed and dependent on God's word. Look what it says, Psalm 119, I love this verse. How can a young man or woman be cleansed in his way? How can your words, your thoughts, your actions be purified? By taking heed according to the word of God. With my whole heart I have sought thee. My whole heart, my whole heart. Let me not wander. Let me not wander from your commandment. Your word I have hidden in my heart. Why? So I don't sin against you. If you really want to change your life, read this book. Memorize this book. Declare this book over your life. One verse at a time. Just memorize one verse at a time. Declare it over people. Stop talking what you hear on TV. On social media. Speak God's word. And your thoughts will change. Your mind will be renewed. Your desires will change. Your perspective will change. It's very simple. Now, so again, if you declare, I am fed by the word of God, I am dependent on the word of God, this is a fact. Next one. I love this one. I am empowered by the Holy Spirit. Look what it says in Acts 1-8. Acts 1-8 says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the where it was written from, the the closest city, the main city where they were. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Look at it, and we're in San Diego. If you're watching from around the world, we're located in San Diego. So our equivalent would be San Diego, California, United States, and then the world. So whatever city you're in, that's your city, your state, your country, the world. And so he says. You shall receive power. Let me tell you something. I can yell all I want; has zero power. The only power that's in me is from God, and it, and it comes through the Holy Spirit. And it's His doing. It's His power, not mine. Your power. We pray for healing all the time in the church. People get healed. People who couldn't have babies get pregnant. Matter of fact, when I was preparing today, I, I, I was thinking about that today. So I just want to say a quick word, a prayer. If you have not been able to have a baby, I love praying that God open wombs and see people get pregnant. So I just want to take a minute before I get to the last one, the last point, and declare and exercise the power of God. It's not my power. It's not my power. I'm just asking God to do something. So I just want to pray that someone would get pregnant. Lord, I, just pray, I know there are women out there who can't get pregnant for a whole lot of reasons. Lord, I pray supernaturally you would open their womb. Give them hope right now. Encourage them. And that those who couldn't have babies, or it may be a problem in the husband. I pray whatever the reason is, that you would clear it up. Establish kingdom of God alignment. And that a pregnancy would result in a godly child. be born in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. By the way, if you get pregnant, we want to know. Please please call the church, text the church and tell us, I got pregnant. We've had it happen a lot of times. So I, we believe in the power of God. The power of God. And last one, this is the best one right here. I am, I am invited. Now, if you're a believer, God is inviting you into a more intimate relationship. He's inviting you into a Deeper walk with him where you can hear his voice more clearly. Where you can actually have miracles happen through your life. You could pray for healing. You could actually hear his voice. You can actually see him use you in a more powerful way in the world. So he's inviting you into his journey for your life to make a difference. But if you're not a believer, if you've never asked Christ to be your Savior. And you, you might have started this service today. Saying, I don't even like God. I don't even like Christians. I'm just watching because my girlfriend wants to watch or my boyfriend, whatever. Guess what? God says, I love you. (laughs) You're made in my image. And I'm inviting you into a relationship with me. The God that you five minutes ago hated, that may be a strong word. You resented, maybe a strong word. You had no interest in, maybe a strong word. Either way, you kind of gave God to Heisman. But now you kind of, huh. Well, he's inviting you. He's inviting you into a relationship. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says, therefore, go into the highways and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. This is an illustration of a relationship with God, a wedding. Why? Because the church is the bride and Jesus is the groom. In the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, there is a great wedding and is the union of the church, the worldwide church. The bride of Christ, which the Bible calls uh, uh, the church the bride, and Jesus is the groom. Invite him to the wedding so that those servants went out into the highways and gathered together whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. See what it says here? Uh, The servants, I'm just one of those servants, going out trying to invite people to the wedding. He said, Just go get anybody. Here's a cool thing. This is Jesus talking by the way. He didn't say go out and get people who are educated. Go out and get white people, black people, rich people, or tall people, athletic people. No, no. He just said get whoever. Remember the first thing? God loves you. That for God to love the world, that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever would believe. What does believe mean? That in your heart you understand I'm a sinner. I believe I'm a sinner. And I believe that Jesus is Lord. That he died and rose from the dead. I believe that. And I believe the Bible that if I'm going to go to heaven, I need to ask Jesus to forgive me. That he really was sent from God. That he really is the Lord. That he really died and rose from the dead. And that if I surrender my life to him, He will forgive me. He will fill me with the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit of God that would empower me. And He would transform my life, give me clarity of vision, purpose. Help me deal with the junk in my head. That I would walk in relationship with Him. If you would like to do that, because He's inviting you to that right now. I'm going to lead you in a prayer in a minute. A simple prayer of acknowledging to God that you need Him. Acknowledging to God that you trust Him. Even if your trust is this much, it's okay. And then next week it will be this much. And then the week after that will be that much. <laughs> and then the week after that will be that much. But it's a relationship. So if you would like to ask and say yes to this invitation, what He's saying to you is I love you and uh, listen, I've waited all this time. So will you trust me with your life? Now, this is not you praying a prayer and you're going to heaven. You are telling God, God, I am putting you as king on my throne. I am putting you as Lord, master on my throne. Don't get, don't get it twisted. This is not an equal partnership. He has to be king. If you just say, Lord, I want to be a disciple. And I want to walk with you in obedience. That's the invitation. It's not an invitation of, hey, I'm going to join the Rock Church. That's not the invitation. Oh, I'm just going to sign something and go to heaven. That's not the invitation. The invitation is that you are saying, Lord, I am going to be your servant. His servant, not mine, not the Rock Church servant, God's servant. And the reason you accept the invitation is because you trust him. If he wanted to mess you up, he could have just killed you. But he's allowed you to mess up your life and still save you long enough for you to say, God, I'm sorry. So in a minute we're going to pray. And you're going to have an opportunity to say, to tell God, I accept your invitation. Simple as ABC. 1A, admit that you're a sinner. I'll lead you in that by simply saying, Lord, I'm a sinner. B, believe and declare your belief that Jesus is Lord, that he died and rose from the dead. And C, confess. Confess your sin. God, I repent. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes wherever you are. And if you're in a room with family, friends, I'm going to ask you out of respect for whatever they're going through. That everybody in your house would just bow your heads and close your eyes. Turn any distracting noises off. Because there may be somebody in your house who right now is going through a transformation. They sense the presence of God. And you may be sitting next to somebody in your house. They're wondering if you, they're thinking what you're thinking. Just deal with you. Just worry about you. Eyes closed, heads bowed. Lord, Holy Spirit, I pray to little kids, could be quiet for a minute, stop running around. Someone is going to make a life changing, eternal decision right now. Lord, I thank you for your faithfulness. I thank you for your presence. And Lord, if there is someone somewhere in this world listening right now online, and you're saying, yes, I want to surrender my life to Jesus, I want you to pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. It's a prayer declaring your intent to surrender your life to Jesus, it's as simple as A, B, C. If you would like to ask Christ to be your Savior and accept his invitation, repeat after me in your heart, pray, Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin is wrong. I believe Jesus is Lord. That he died and rose from the dead for me. I confess my sin. I repent and turn away. And surrender my life to Jesus. I surrender control to Jesus. Lord, I am placing you on the throne of my life. I want to be a disciple. I want to walk in obedience. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One, congratulations for all of y'all who did that. God bless you. Let me tell you just a couple things before we go. This was the most important decision of your life because you made a decision to obey God versus reject God. We have groups in our church called D groups and R groups. D groups are discipleship groups. They are gender specific groups, guys only, girls only, to walk together in faith. We also have R groups that are co ed, where you walk together and learn these things and review these things. Uh, if you text info to 52525, you can learn all about our groups. I can't encourage you enough. That now you've started a relationship with God. That relationship has to grow and it grows in relationship with other people. Remember I said God made you in his image. God is a relational God. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are in relationship. So close in relationship that God is one. Yet there's three of them. That's how close their relationship is. And God made you and, us, me, you and me in his image. Why? So he can have relationship with us. And he made everybody else in his image so they can have a relationship with him and so they can have a relationship with us. Ain't that so simple? It's so simple. So I want to encourage you to get in the group. Text INFO to 52525. On our screen right there you can uh, hit the raise hand button to let us know that you prayed that prayer. If you prayed that prayer, hit that raise button please so we can follow up with you. Remember, this is a relationship, so we want to be in relationship with you. So if you prayed that prayer, just click that raise your hand button on the screen, right at the bottom of the screen, and we want to get in touch with you. And right after I say pray again, there's going to be a screen to tell you how to get more information about your next step. Next week, next week, we're going to talk about how to find freedom. I got to believe that you, like me, have negative stuff in your head, like Moses. Because Moses' first thing was, who am I? He has some other questions that of doubt. And if God didn't answer those questions properly, Moses might not have moved forward to go deliver the Jews. So it's going to be very important for you and me to answer those questions. So we're going to talk about that next week. So let me pray for you. God's going to do an amazing, amazing, amazing thing in your life. And I want to thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, thank you. Bless all the people that are taking this step forward to declare these truths over their life that they may walk in the knowledge of knowing God. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your patience. And Lord, I want to pray again for those couples trying to have babies. I pray for supernatural pregnancies. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We love you. See you next week. See you this week. God bless you. There are real people with real needs right now that God may have given you the ability or gift to come alongside and bless in this time of need. Let's make the impact together. We have a website full of resources and serving opportunities. Text info to 52525 and take the next step today.